Well, good morning and welcome one and all. Glad to see you here this morning. I feel good. Do you feel good? It's probably because I survived taking a van load of kids to Cedar Point and back this week. That's probably why I feel so good. Yeah, we'll do it. Um, but uh, seeing all of you here this morning is a pretty exciting thing as well. So I'm glad to be here together with you to worship this morning. If you're new with us, uh, we're glad that you're here as well. There are uh, seat back cards, connect cards right in front of you. We'd be uh, happy to have you fill one of those out and turn that into uh, one of our men in the back or the offering box back there so that we can know of your attendance and uh, reach out and be an encouragement to you. Uh, a couple of things I'd like to bring to all of our attention here this morning for starters. Uh, next Sunday, do you know what month that is already? July. It's the 3rd of July, and we're going to have our church service here at 11 o'clock. Uh, there will be no Sunday school. So hopefully you saw the slide as it was uh, scrolling through. Uh, there will be no Sunday school classes here next week, just church. So come for our 11 o'clock service. Uh, if you have any kids that are uh, age, whatever it is, kindergarten, uh, below kindergarten, all the age kids, the twos and the threes, the fours and the fives, all that stuff. There will be uh, like junior church for them. Uh, if you are a first, second, or third grader, you're going to go to junior church today, but you're not going to do that next week, right? You get to stay here uh, and, and enjoy worshiping with all of us old people. It'll be great. It'll be fun uh, and engaging. I'm sure you'll enjoy yourself. But next week, just the church service and uh, the Sunday school just for the twos, threes, fours, and fives. Uh, also, there is a ladies' day out. If you did not... Was that a husband that was excited? Or... That was... A... Okay, it was a woman. Okay. I had to be careful there. I wasn't sure if Jeff was, like, happy for, for this day. Okay. I digress. Uh, but as I'm reading through, it's Lavender Days in Emily City. So, apparently, Emily City likes the color purple and are celebrating that with whatever this is. Right? Okay. So Lavender Days, you're going to be leaving uh, at 9 a.m. on Friday the 8th of July, right here from the church. Leave at 9 and uh, get back by 3 at the latest. Yeah, right. Uh, if you have uh, any interest in, in going and spending the day uh, at this, please see uh, Amanda Heron. If you have any questions, uh, ask her about it. Uh, I will be of no service, and I'm pretty sure Pastor Mark will be of no help for this whole Lavender Days, too. You're just going to text her and ask her the question they asked you. Let's be real. <laughs> so, there's that. Uh, also, because it's July, uh, how many of you are signed up for camp? Kids, teens, students, right? And excited for that week? Parents, how many of you are excited for that week? Uh, it, is, it is approaching very quickly, July 11 through 16, that Monday through Saturday. Uh, if you are sending your kid on the church van, you need to be here at the church on Monday the 11th, uh, no later than 6.30 in the morning, all right? 6.30, hey, but then you've got the whole rest of the day, all right? So this is, this is actually a good thing. Uh, 6.30 a.m. so we can uh, ship them out and then uh, return. The van is expected to get back on Saturday the 16th by 1 p.m. All right? And so I can't stress to you enough, parents, be here to pick them up. You do want them back, okay? And, and they will be changed. They will be new, all right? Some of them may even be a new creation, praise the Lord. Uh, and, and you will want them back, all right? 
so those are a lot of the things that are taking place. Uh, if you did not already pick up a FBC Weekly, the printed edition, they're back there. Those announcements and others are on there. Uh, one thing that is not because it was uh, new to us uh, yesterday um, uh, is to inform you that uh, Tina Scott's mother uh, passed away yesterday morning. And so if you would keep the Scott's family in your prayers uh, throughout this week, I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. Uh, so please uh, add that to your personal prayer sheet uh, this week. Uh, before we get to our call to worship uh, this morning, on Friday, June 24th, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that, quote, the Constitution does not confer the right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overturned, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. Amen. Amen. Now, <clears throat> to be clear, though this is a, a historic ruling and much cause for rejoicing, it is, um, some of us have prayed for years uh, for this. Some of you have advocated for years for this. I remember as a child, my parents advocating uh, for pro-life since I was uh, very, very young, right? This has been going on for many of us. This, that's all we know. It's 50 years old, almost 50 years old. We, this is how we've grown up. And, and though it is all of those things, we, we do want to recognize that the ruling does not make abortion illegal in every state. That's not what the ruling did. The ruling said that it's, it's not a constitutional right, which means now that states make the decision. So, though this was huge, it returned it to the states, which tells us this, the, the battle isn't over. It is, it is a huge first step, but the battle is not over. So, our advocacy continues, our prayers continue, our voting continues, it continues. It doesn't, doesn't end with this decision. This is a step in the right direction. Yes and amen. But, but for those who have advocated, we continue to do so. For those who pray, continue to do so. Michigan has, has, has some things on the books that could help us in, in our state, but those things are being challenged. And they're going to be, all of them are going to be challenged. In every state, it's going to be challenged. Any sort of pro-life legislation is going to be challenged. So we don't want to be a, a, a wet blanket here. We are rejoicing in it. It's only to say that it's not over. It isn't over. It's a, it, it is a great start, but we want to continue to fight. We want to continue to pray. There will always be more to do. So we continue to pray. We continue to advocate. We continue to vote. Why? For the glory of God and the good of all people, those born and pre-born. All people. So we pray. We pray for states to make good decisions. We pray for the peace and the unity of our country. Uh, certainly, this, this uh, ruling has not been received the same among everyone, clearly, nor was it received by everyone the same in 1973, we should say. But we pray for the peace and the unity of our country. We pray for wisdom, for believers to know how to interact with those people who may not agree with them. We pray for protection over the, the justices who made this decision. We pray for uh, crisis pregnancy centers who could be targeted. We pray for others and many others who stand on the front lines in, in, in this battle, in, in this endeavor to protect the vulnerable, to speak for the weak, to, to speak out for those who have no voice. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, as you've done to the least, you've done unto me. 
as we treat the least, we treat Jesus. So let's pray, giving thanks to God for this great day, but also praying for his continued help in the days to come. Father, we give thanks. We give thanks for the overturning of Roe and Casey. It is a prayer that many have prayed, and you have answered, and we rejoice. We believe that this will be a cause for the protection. It will lead to the protection of more life. And for that, we give thanks. We know you love life. You're the creator of life. And so we want to care about what you care about. It is wrong. It is wrong to kill another person. And so, Father, here we recognize abortion is wrong and it must be stopped. And this is a great first step. And we rejoice exceedingly in what you have done. We pray now as states begin to make these decisions, and some have already made decisions, both for and against, and as legal battles will continue, and as advocacy and lobbying and voting will continue, God, we ask that you would help the people of our states, well, in all states for that matter, to care about life, to care about the life of, of those who, who cannot speak for themselves. God, we pray for your protection. We pray for your protection of those people who are leading the way. We pray for your protection for the justices, for those who are caring for these moms and these preborn babies. God, that you would protect them, that you would give them courage to continue to do their work, even under threat of, of, of violence or whatever else. God, we're asking for your, your help in this. Father, we believe that, that life matters. We believe that you love life. And anything that would take away from that is something that we should oppose. So God, would you give us faith? Would you give us courage? Father, this is far more than a political issue. This is a matter of, this is a matter of, of, of believing the truth about what the Bible has to say. And so Father, may we believe it and may we live in light of it. And we'll give thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we call to worship? Or hear the call to worship from Psalm chapter 86, verses 8, 9, and 10. Read like this. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Uh, in Sunday school, I uh, talked about the Avenger Cube, and if you've not seen the Avenger Cube, I'm going to go through the Avenger Cube with you because my message this morning is for people who have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But I want you to all trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So this is the Avenger Cube. I hope it's a little, there are actually bigger ones. I should have brought the bigger one. But uh, God is spirit, and God made you, and God created the world, all the animals in the world, all the plants in the world, the whole universe, including you. But unfortunately, you and all of us had turned against God. We've sinned against God, and as a result of that, it separated us from God. But God loved us so much that he wanted to bring us back to himself. So what he did is he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what we celebrate uh, at Christmas, the incarnation of God becoming a man. And he became a man and came to earth on purpose to die on the cross for our sins so that he could offer us forgiveness and mercy free of charge. 
And not only did he die on the cross, as it was foretold, he was also buried. And for three days, he was buried in the grave that was, that was actually guarded by Roman guards. But because he is God, he has power over life and death, and he raised to new life. Amen? And it showed that the sacrifice that he gave was sufficient to pay for our salvation. And so because of what Christ has done, he has made a pathway for us to go to God, but only through the cross of Jesus Christ. And he did that, and now we can avoid hell, which is the consequences for sin, the wages of sin is death, and that's eternal death, and we can get heaven as a free gift, but only through what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? So if you'll confess your sins and you'll turn to God and ask him to forgive you your sins and ask Jesus Christ to be your savior, he'll do that because he died on the cross to bring you back to God. Amen? And that's the little, and I could do a lot more with this, but this is an Avenger cube, and these are really cool, and the only way it opens is the way that I, you don't have to be smart, I look like he knows how to do a Rubik's Cube, I couldn't do a Rubik's Cube to save my life, just so you know, but I can do an Avenger cube, and I wanted to say that to you, because if you're here today, and your sin is still upon you, because you haven't turned to God for forgiveness of your sins through what Jesus Christ has done, then you don't have eternal life. But God came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus Christ. It's the way. God himself came to earth to die on the cross for your sins to bring you back to God. Amen? Now, I'd like to tell you the message this morning is for you if you haven't done that, but it's not. This is a message for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, and you'll be able to relate to the message. But to start off this... Um, Emporium, Pennsylvania is kind of in western Pennsylvania. My aunt lived there. We called her my Aunt Till. Her full name, of course, was Matilda, a good Irish name. And uh, we were going, my sister and I, I'm the youngest of eight kids, my older sister and I, she's like four years older than me, we went to go uh, visit our aunt in Emporium, Pennsylvania, and she took us one day to the the city swimming pool. And of course, I loved to get in the water, but I was young and I didn't know how to swim. And so we were playing in the pool and I remember the water being up about here and I'm playing in the pool, just having a great time. But what I didn't realize was the pool gently sloped into the deep end. And so I started to tiptoe my way onto that hill, if you will, under the water and I began to sink. And so I would jump off the bottom to bob my head up to breathe, but when I landed, I landed deeper and deeper in the pool until eventually all I could do was look up and see the bubbles and the ripples on the water at the top. And I don't know how old I was. I was young, and I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to drown here. Then all of a sudden, boom, I hear a loud noise, big arm wraps around me, rips me up to the deck and puts me down and asks me if I'm okay. It's amazing. To this day, a person who I never know, I love. Because that person jumped in and scooped me up out of that water where I was surely going to die. And that person was a lifeguard. And we want to talk about God in the role that he plays in our life. That lifeguard saved me, and we all know this, if we are believers in Christ, God is our spiritual lifeguard, amen? amen. 
So if you'll turn to Romans chapter 8, we'll start there. Verse 1 and following. I'm going to summarize some of this because we're going to kind of skip down through Romans chapter 8. God wants you to be encouraged in him with all that he's done, in all that he will do to help you, even during the difficult circumstances of your life. Just to stop for a minute, because I can't, I can't believe the Supreme Court ruling that came out yesterday. I spent 20 years of my life advocating for children, and it's hard to advocate for people who don't even get to be born. So that is unbelievable, and we should be praising the Lord for it. It's just, it's unreal. But God wants you to be encouraged with him even during the difficult times. So I want to look at four different things you need to, be re to remember to be encouraged and to stay encouraged. And number one is this, you have been rescued. You have been rescued. Look at verse one, it says, uh, in chapter eight, verse one, it says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation is there? None. All that bad stuff you did is gone now in the eyes of God. That's something we can never earn or deserve, amen? And we need to remember that. We've been rescued. It's unbelievable. We've been rescued. You aren't drowning anymore. Sometimes we forget, even as believers, that we're not drowning anymore. We act like we are. We complain about the world like it's drowning us again. I'm telling you, you're on dry land because of what Christ has done. It's an amazing thing. And as a result of it, we need to act like it. No condemnation for those. Hell is not an option for you. Imagine. It's not an option for you because you've been rescued. I mean, I could end the sermon here on one verse, that you've been rescued. It's how I felt about that guy I didn't even know. Even now, I can feel his arm around me. But now that you've been rescued, you're back on dry land, you can run to God and his will for your life. Look at what it says in verses five through nine. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the things of the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the things of the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot do it. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, you have the spirit of God in you. It's funny because I, you get believers and they get distraught. And I don't blame you, we all get distraught. We get distraught with sin. And we're like, if I'm a believer, why do I have a desire to sin? 
I would just say this. If you're a believer and you feel bad about your sin, that's a sign that you have the Spirit of God in you. I got saved when I was 21, and believe me, before that time, I didn't care about my sin. I was interested in my sin. But if you're sitting here today and you're like, well, I feel bad about my sin, I said, hey, what do you think the Spirit of God is saying to you? It's the saying that God cares about you and his spirit is in you. So you'd say, well, I don't know if God's disowned me. If you care about sin, you probably trust Jesus Christ as your savior. And he's saying, he's not saying, if you believe more, the spirit's in you. He says, when you trust in Christ, the spirit's in you. And acknowledge that. If you don't acknowledge that the Spirit is in you, what has happened is the very counselor, the very thing God promised to help give you victory over sin, you're forgetting about. And the irony is, your guilt comes from the Holy Spirit telling you you're messing up. Yet we have that guilt and we think, oh, I'm lost. No, you're not. This is exactly what's happening. God is bubbling up in you the idea that what you're doing is wrong. And he's telling you to do that so you can correct it. He's trying to continue to rescue you. It's not just one time out of the water. The problem is you keep on jumping in again. It's, it's a process that we're in. Set your mind on what's spiritually right, right and biblically right. And then I would also say this. What you know is right. Some people are like, well, I don't know the Bible that well. If I said, well, is this thing right or wrong? Everybody knows the answer to these questions. God's put right and wrong in us. Mankind even has a conscience. Even the most unsafe people have an idea of morality. And we certainly do as believers. But now that we're on dry land and out of the deep water, we have the ability now to move toward God. And God wants us to do that. So the first thing is, you've been rescued, amen? amen. But not only you've been rescued, but it's crazy. So God not only jumped in the water, reached down, grabbed you out of sin, pulled you out of it, but he puts you on dry land. And point number two is, wilder. You've been adopted by the one who rescued you. You've been adopted. Look at verses 15 through 18. For you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, which is very interesting because both men and women are in the body of Christ, but he's pointing to the fact that when we got adopted, we all got adopted as sons, so we all got the highest position that there could be. Whether you're a man or a woman, you've all been adopted as sons. And then he says, to whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? <laughs> that spirit that's within you that's making you feel guilty is also telling you, you know who your father is. You know who your father is. I grew up in a proud family, and I don't mean that in a negative way. We're a proud family. We carried the name Britain, and when you carried that name, you behaved in a certain way, and you didn't mess up in public, and if you did, my family would tell you about it. We were proud to bear the name Britain. How much more proud should we be to wear the name the holy God of the universe? Amen? That because we've been adopted. It's a tremendous position 
So not only have you been rescued, not only have you been saved, you've been adopted, and then it says that we should no longer have fall back into fear. Stop living in fear. God lets you know this is how close you are with God when you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. He says, we call him Abba, Father. And, and if you know you're Greek, you know what it's talking about there. That's the word that we would say, Papa or Daddy. That's the, what it's saying. So, Papa or Daddy. Some of you remember, I'm an old person, <laughs> and some of you remember the pictures. Remember John F. Kennedy? There would be pictures of Kennedy in his presidential office, and he'd be working there with other heads of state and important people, and they showed some of these pictures, I think it was in Life magazine, and under the desk was his, his son playing under the desk, right? Now, you don't get into the president's office unless you're someone important. All these heads of state are the only people who go there, yet it's little John, right? John is playing under the desk. And of course, they had to put it in Life magazine because it was such a beautiful picture. You get to play under God's desk. That's how close you are to him. He is your daddy. You have access to where no one else can go. That's how close you are to God because you've been adopted. He lets you to call. So he wants you to climb up in his lap and call him daddy. I don't know what it means to you, but I lost my parents when I was young. I lost my mother when I was seven. I lost my father when I was 11. And if you asked me if there's anything I could do again, it was to remember what it meant like, meant to crawl into my father's lap. And that happened by the time I was 11, no more. But I have a heavenly father's lap who he lets me climb in there anytime I want. Because he's my and he's your daddy. Number three, you've been adopted. And because you've been adopted, I don't know how many families are like this, but in many families, businesses get passed down through the family, right? You inherited the family business. Because you've been adopted, you've inherited the family business. Look at verse 17. In Z, or verse 16, for the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we, are, that we are children of God. And if children, we are heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. So we are Christ's heirs. And as a result of that, we have also inherited the family business. And, and I would just say this, what should we and how should we act if we've been adopted? How should we act if we inherit the, 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 the family business? And I would just say this, you see it all the time. We talk about the royals, right, in the UK. And there's always interest in the royals because the royals are supposed to act a certain way and whenever they don't, all the press jumps on it, right? Oh, they're not acting like royals. Well, I'll tell you this, we need to act like royals because we are royals. We need to hold up our head. Don't panic, you are a child of the king, amen? That is what you are. You just have to believe it. But what is Jesus' business? I just, pulling this out of Luke 19.10, you'll know these verses. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what? Those who were lost, that was lost. That's the family business. 
The business is to seek and save those who are lost. And so when we inherit, when we, got, when we became one with Christ, we got the family business. And I just want to tell you, the family business is fantastic. But the family business isn't easy, is it? It's, it is the family business. So we got saved. So the Bible talks about it. It says this. It said, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, providing we what with him? Suffer. Suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Because in God's eyes, our salvation is a done deal. When you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he just as clearly saw you in glory in the new heaven and earth, new earth as wherever you were standing when you trusted him. It's a done deal as far as he's concerned. And when you came to Christ, you got adopted into a family. You inherited the family business, which includes suffering in that verse and includes what? It said suffering and then what else? Glory. We get all that. That's all included. It's a done deal in God's mind. But we do have to suffer. It's not easy doing the family business, but in the long run, it's worth it. And just so you know, we will and can suffer because we're Christians. I won't go to the verse with First uh, Peter 4, 16 and 17. It's just clear. We go to a lot of passages to show that. You know, Jesus said, if they did this to me, he said to his disciples, what do you think they're going to do to you? It was just true. So in some respects, we inherit both the good and the difficult when we trust Christ. And it's interesting because the Bible, and, and, it, and you hear it in the evangelical church, and we should feel this way, we don't like in a lot of ways what's going on in the world, right? Especially as we get older, right? I mean, this isn't the place we remember from the 40s, from the 50s, from the 60s, from the 70s. This isn't the same place. I mean, a lot of us older people are actually feeling loss that sometimes younger people, thankfully, aren't feeling. We're feeling terrible loss because in many ways our culture has changed. I'm not saying it's all gotten worse or anything. I'm just saying there's a, there's a level of loss and we feel as we get older particularly that the world is messed up right now. And I just want you to know, if you feel like the world's messed up, Romans agrees with you completely. So look at verses 19 through 22. And I'm probably gonna have to summarize this. For the creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's saying this. God in the world knows that God's doing a special work of redemption among humankind, and the whole world is groaning and waiting for usins to be revealed to the entire universe. It's like this work that God is doing. He says, for creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly because of him who suggested, uh, subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom and glory of the children of God. So the whole creation is groaning together. And so when I spoke this sermon in Liberia, I said, you Liberians, I came to Liberia for the first time in 2004. The war ended in 2003. I said, this place was a war zone. They're all shaking their head. I said, I look at the walls of houses and they would be bullet ridden. 
I'd see roofs and they were ripped off. I never saw one electrical wire anywhere. The roads were messed up. The telephone poles were all stolen and taken up. It was a war zone. And I said, and even today, you're living in a war zone. And they're like, yes, we are. And I just want to tell you, for the Christians, all of us, we are still living in a war zone. Amen. Right? We are. Don't pretend it's not. It's a war zone where spiritual battles are being fought. That's why your pastor could give you such great news about the Supreme Court ruling, but he had to say, but what? Don't stop fighting because we're still in a spiritual war. We, he had to say that because if we just said, oh, what's done? Well, it's not done that easily. So I would just say this. When you have that feeling you're in a war zone, I would just say this. The Bible agrees with you. You're in a war zone. But just because you live in a war zone doesn't mean that God's not working. When I was in Liberia, some of the greatest stories of God's grace were told to me about stories that happened during the war. They would talk about horrific tragedies that almost were inhumane. You couldn't believe it happened. In the middle of that, a Liberian would say, but you wouldn't have believed what God did. And they'd always end that way. You wouldn't believe what God was doing. And I just want to remind us, as God's children, we are in a war zone, we've been rescued, we've been adopted, and the battle goes on, amen? And we know who wins, by the way. And we all win when people are adopted into the kingdom of God. So God is still working out the family business, which is the salvation and the redemption of the world. God's still working on that, and we're a part of it. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making, as God is making his appeal th through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So not only were you rescued, pull out of the water, he pulls you up out of the water and he says, and by the way, I've adopted you. Then he said, by the way, you're doing, you're doing the family business, but not only are you doing the family business, but I've got to show you your credentials because I've made you an ambassador for my kingdom. Whew. All I want to do is breathe. But next thing you know, I've got credentials as an ambassador. And of course, an ambassador's job is to represent the country or the people group who has empowered them to be an ambassador. So I'm just saying to you, no matter where you are, how obscure you feel like your influence is, you're carrying the badge of an ambassador. I'll tell you this, you want an ambassador's badge when you're going through an airport, because all the rest of us are going through security and they're saying, welcome to your plane. Because you get to go buy all of that stuff. An ambassador is a very, very powerful person. And the Bible calls us all of those who've placed their faith in Christ as ambassadors. So even though things are tough right now, we shouldn't lose hope in all that God is doing, all that he's done. But I'll tell you this. When a Christian loses hope, what does it do to the people who are around us? When a born-in and Christian loses hope, so I'm just saying, don't lose hope. Because you, you have such a positive effect. Then four, for now, you have to live by hope. That's what the Bible says. For now, we must live by hope. Look at verse 24 and 25. For, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not what? Hope that is seen is not what? 
So the thing that we've got to trust in, we can't what? (laughs) You better remember this, because if you can see it, it's not hope. This hope you only see by faith. And when you're waiting for things to show up in person and materialize, you're going to be discouraged because you're not living by hope then. So you must live by hope that comes through faith. Verse 24, it says, uh, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not for hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it How? Who's patient here? I can see hands are up all over. (laughs) Please, please. You know, Americans are the only people, and it's funny because most of Liberia doesn't have electricity. We're the only people in the world who yell at a microwave to hurry. (laughs) That's how Americans are. But the Bible says, because of the confidence that we have in what God has done for us, because he's rescued us, because he's adopted us, because he's put his spirit in us, because he's made us his ambassadors. He says, God has called us to be patient, waiting for him to work. Amen? Wait on the Lord. Who likes to wait? None of us. We all want hope that we can see, but we must wait. But when you trust someone and they say, I'm coming, and I'm going to do this or that, and you trust them, how confident Want me to take this one out? I'll do this one. Now I've got two mics, I'm really cool. I'm like the president. (laughs) Actually, as an ambassador, I'm a little higher than the president, but I don't want to say anything. (laughs) We have to live by hope that God will accomplish what he promises. And by the way, you know, you say, well, I don't feel very strong. Look what the verse says in verse uh, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our what? Oh, come on, God. You know I'm weak, and what's the answer? He knows you're weak. He knows you're weak, for we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit of God himself intercedes with us with groaning that are of words that are too deep. We can be so weak and discouraged that we don't even know how to pray. But he says, I've got such a deal for you when you don't even know how to pray, my spirit's going to pray for you. And things can become so badly messed up that you don't even know how to pray. Amen? Some of you have been there. You don't even know what to say to God because this is such a mess. And God's saying, I know it's a mess. But I want you to trust me and give me some time. Let the Spirit of God help you. Call out to God for help. God remembers and God knows that you're weak. Apostle Paul put it this way. When I am weak, he is what? What? When I am weak, he is... Ooh. 
Boy, that's counterintuitive, isn't it? You know, we always think if I'm strong, then I'll be strong. The Bible says, no, actually, when you think you're strong, you're actually quite weak. But when you are dependent on God, you're as strong as you're ever going to be. And when you're waiting on God, those who wait on God will do with what with their strength? They'll renew their strength. Yeah, it's counterintuitive. So these are all things that we can be encouraged about. And beneath the difficulties of life, you have to remember that God is working for good. He has called you out. And Jesus said, if they persecuted me, John 15, 20, they're going to persecute you. That's the ugly part of doing the family business, is that will you be persecuted if you do what God wants? And just want to remind you, the completion of your salvation is a done deal in God's mind. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order they may be the firstborn among many brothers. And to those who he predestined, he also called. For those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also what? Glorified. Glorified. The done deal. No, he sanctified us too. It's a done deal. What a deal, amen? And all God is trying to tell you is, would you just please remember this? Would you just please remember this? Because when you remember this, it's really going to be helpful and you'll be encouraged. So when you first trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, God thought of you standing in the new heaven and new earth for eternity. Just the way that he feels about it. And it's a a done deal. So what's your response to these truths? Look at verse 31. What's the response to these truths? I turned my page and I lost it. What's it say there in verse 31? Can you read it, Pastor? What shall we say then? If If God is for us, what? (laughs) With an offense like this, it doesn't matter what's going on with the defense. Because we're throwing the ball right over their head. They don't stand a chance. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in what can separate us? Not even that water? No. He's good at water. Nothing can separate us. So if you want to be encouraged, here's the conclusion. There's four things you need to remember to be encouraged. You have been rescued by God. Amen? Praise the Lord. You've been adopted by God. Amen? You've been adopted and you've inherited the family business. It's not easy, but it's wonderful. Amen? And number four, for now, you have to live by hope. Hope in who God is and what he's done for you and what he will do in the future. Amen? Your salvation is a done deal in God's eyes. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Live it, love it, teach it, and share it. You are a child of the King. I'm God.